You're listening to the Friends with Dogs podcast. Hello, friends, and welcome, everyone, to the Friends with Dogs podcast. I'm Gina Maynard, and this is my co-host, Rick Maynard. Hello, everybody. Thanks for joining us on the podcast where we talk to friends with dogs. It's literally all we do, hence the name. Well, that's true. Every episode, we talk with people who love dogs and who also do great work on their behalf. Um, Like the show last week, we talked to Jack Jokinen, who told us the amazing story of his dog, Susie, and how she came to kind of rescue herself and and find him and his family. Yeah, so first things first, Jack Jokinen is a funny man. He made us laugh even while he was telling us a really moving story, so he's got a gift for that. But it was a great story about an amazing dog and a really, really awesome family. I'm a huge Susie fan. Well, good. Well, let's talk about this week's guest, another amazing guest. Indeed. But before we do that, I want to talk about some new Preston the Crazy Australian Shepherd uh, content we have for our social channels. Okay. (laughs) Are you excited? Oh, my. It's fun. It's um, I, I take a lot of videos and photos of Preston like you guys do for your dogs, but I shot some video of him playing with his favorite squeaky tennis ball, one of about 100 that he owns. But I did it in slow motion, and it came out so hilarious. The sound is just really, really funny. Isn't it, Gene? It doesn't take much to amuse Rick. (laughs) If I was a TikToker, I would put it on TikTok, and I'm sure we'd get like a million views, and then people would want to come sponsor my channel. It's good that you're not. I am not a TikToker. I mean, I would love for everybody to come sponsor our channel, but it's good that you're not on TikTok. Exactly. I'm a lurker. I watch a lot of dog videos on TikTok, but that's it. (laughs) But anyway, check it out. It'll be on our Facebook page and all of our social channels. You can tell us what you think. Well, this week we're wrapping up Volunteer Appreciation Month. So I'm guessing, Rick, that you got us a guest who's a volunteer. Not only is she a volunteer, she's one of the most prolific shelter volunteers I have ever been around. Uh, Her story is amazing. What she does is just so sweet and from the heart and you're just going to be amazed when you hear how many hours she's spent helping shelter dogs in honor of volunteer appreciation month here's our interview with our friend becky johnson welcome to the friends with dogs podcast interview this week we are talking with super volunteer becky johnson how are you doing becky I'm doing great. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, just wanted to talk about the volunteer work you do with the shelter. It's it's pretty amazing, and we, we love uh, recognizing volunteers. So how did you get started as a shelter volunteer, and how long ago was that? I think it was in 2010, and my daughter attended Critter Camp. And the last day of camp, when the parents picked the kids up, they take them on a tour of the shelter, which is genius because either the kids are going to start begging for a dog or the parents are going to see something they like, or they will make the commitment to come back and bring like wet cat food or donations, which is what we did. Um, we saw a little dog when we were taking the tour, and uh, she had just had her space surgery and had had an eye removed. So she was a little shizu, but she didn't even look real. She looked like she'd come from a Tim Burton movie. She was in such bad shape, except for she had the very best attitude. 
So we talked to kennel staff, and through the Bluegrass Zoo Rescue, we fostered her and got her adopted. And then from there, we started taking wet cat food on Fridays. So on those days, we would go in and visit the cats. And then we just started passing out treats. We got to know the kennel staff. And before you know it, we're there every day. I had a feeling that was going to be the end result of that story was you end up there every day. Yeah. Well, I mean, with the parents, it's like you either get a dog or a cat that day or you make donations or you start visiting and volunteering. There's nothing bad that can come from taking your parents to the kennel. (laughs) That's right. So, Becky, do you have dogs of your own or is this how you get your puppy fix? I have two of the smallest dogs, two chihuahuas, and two of the biggest cats, Maine Coons. And all but one came from the Lexington Humane Society. My oldest chihuahua was found on the interstate in Moorhead, but the other three were foster fails. <laughs> That's a recurring theme in our podcast, by the way. Just about everybody we talk to is a foster failure. Mm-hmm. That's another genius thing. You get them to take them home for a couple of days, they fit in, why do you got to bring them back? There you go. So uh, we've seen lots and lots of the photos of you um, as you're volunteering. You're great about putting photos of the dogs up on your Facebook page and see them, you know, take them for a walk or taking them on road trips. I know you've been volunteering for a long time, but how did you land on kind of walking the dogs or taking them on outings as your preferred volunteer activity? That's a really good question because I think a lot of volunteers have high hopes when they start and then they give up too fast because they don't find their niche there. Um, I started passing out trees and by doing that every day, the kennel staff got to know me and they would meet me at the door sometimes and say, we have an older dog that won't eat. We have a dog that just came in that's got anxiety. Could you sit with it? So staff started asking me to do stuff. Um, From there, from passing out the treats, I started taking one row a day out. Um, Back then, we could only take them out to the play yard. So I just came every day and there was a big dog. His name is Patrick and he was just say high energy and nobody else could take him out so the the shelter vet she really liked him and she wanted to walk him around campus and back then volunteers weren't allowed to take the dogs out of the building so she got me special permission and I started taking him out of the shelter for car rides it was a day foster program so then I would come pass out the tree take the dogs out to play take him out to walk um after that it just kind of got to be a habit of any long-term dog, usually if they've been there for a year or more, got to be on my ride list. And so that's how I started doing that. But then we started getting back. So I started the teen volunteer program where I taught them how to give back and mentored the team. And, you know, once you get in there and you find something you're really good at, that makes it a lot easier to come back. But I would like to say that not everybody has to do the dirty dogs, like giving the baths and walking the dogs and cleaning the kennel. Having this podcast is a great way to volunteer. Um, taking pictures, there's a, a guy that comes and he he does the shelter pictures and I handle the dogs. Um, they need people in the offices and events. You just got to figure out what you're really good at and then just do it. 
That's a that's a really good point. And it's one of the things we always like to emphasize on the show is that, you know, if you're interested in volunteering, there's something that you can do. I mean, if, you know, some people actually don't like to be in the kennel, you know, because it, you know, makes them sad to see the dogs and, you know, in the yeah. kennels. And But there's so many other things that you can do to help out an organization like that. But you mentioned one thing I wanted to touch base on. You mentioned kind of the long term um, shelter residents and the importance of getting them out and socializing them. Talk about that a little bit. Well, I didn't realize when I first started using the shelter how loud it is in there um, until I, Patrick was my first dog to take out. So I wanted to take him out and run with him and uh, do a lot of high-energy things. But all he wanted to do was sit in the back seat. And so I would park the car and get in the back seat with him, and he would look at me like I was crazy <laughs> because really all he wanted, I'm, I wanted to love on him, but, you know, let's watch videos together on the phone. And he was like, just get back up front because all they really want is to go somewhere that's quiet um, because the noise in the shelter, it really, you can feel it physically. I had gotten to a point where I thought, why am I always upset and frustrated? And it's because of the environment in there is very high stress. So we just started, I like, even now, I pick the, the older dogs that nobody takes out, the ones that are high energy or need training. But sometimes they just need to be outside of the shelter. So they gave me special permission to do that. But now, if you're in the trainable program, after you have so many hours, um, you can take the dog out too. Oh, that's great. Becky, you mentioned having the photographer help out at the shelter. I bet you've probably taken your share of pictures of the dogs that you've been with. Do you have a Facebook page? I do. Well, it's my Facebook page, Becky Johnson. Um, But the photographer's name is Wes Allen. And we kind of started together doing uh, the pit bulls. But I get to pick the dogs. So I pick, a, again, the seniors, long-term dog, and, and he's up for anything, and he just does them so much justice. We've been taking them to Gratz Park. We did a thing last February where we took one dog out, and it was a male dog, and we took him, like, to the Opera House and to uh, Tony's Restaurant and Jeff Ruby's, and then we took the female dog out because we couldn't do them together. But then we put together a photo um opportunity, I don't know what you would call it, that looked like they were meeting each other for Valentine's Day. Oh, It was really cute. So he's out for whatever. He'll do whatever I ask him to do, but he really makes the dogs, you know, shine. Um, and we like to show what they look like outside of the shelter. So um, usually on Sunday mornings, we get together at a, at a location, the Kingland. We do that sometimes downtown just to see what they look like outside of the shelter. So, Becky, since you're on Facebook, I'm sure it's full of pictures of all the dogs that you've interacted with at the Humane Society. How do your friends react to that? It is. And the funny thing is, is is people say, how many dogs can you give a bath in one day? And if you're not interested in dogs, then just don't look at my page. (laughs) (laughs) Turn off my notifications. Because I do try every day. I'll take a dog out after work. And we have cabins behind the shelter now. And I always say, this is what really could look like in your living room. And it gives people a chance to see what they look like, you know, sitting on a couch or playing in the yard. Um, I try not to do the really sad pictures because I don't want people to take a dog because they feel sorry for it. I want them to see their potential and what they look like when they're at home. 
You know, you touched on something I want to talk about. I'm a big fan of the the cabins there that are on the campus. So uh, talk a little bit about what it's like to just have an outing with, with one of the dogs in, in a cabin. Well, first of all, I was not a fan. When they first started building them, I thought, those dogs are going to tear those cabins up. They're going to be nasty. How are we going to keep the yard clean? But that is my home away from home. Uh, we make sure we walk the dogs before we take them in. Uh, in the wintertime, they were great because they have heaters in them. So we could actually spend more time with the dogs, like an hour, an hour and a half, because when it's cold, you can run them outside and bring them back in. But it gives the dog a chance to decompress. You can sit on the couch with them, um, or you can throw the ball out in the play yard. I take dogs most of the time on really long walks, and they're always on leash. So it is an opportunity to take a dog and see what they're like, not completely under your control. Um, And sometimes they're just totally different than you would think they would be. They calm down. They just want to sit in your lap. You know, they're not all as bad as they look inside the kennel. (laughs) And I hate to use that word bad. I hate to use that word bad, but, you know, sometimes you're like, oh, that dog is just awful. But they really not want to get them outside. Yeah, I think you touched on one of the challenges, you know, in a in a high volume shelter environment. I mean, obviously, particularly at a place like Lexington Humane Society, the dogs are getting just the greatest care they could get. But it's just like every day of your life, you know, having 100 roommates, that's that's stressful on a dog. So getting them out and into another environment is uh, is obviously really uh, they appreciate it. I can tell. I would like to say that. It's come a long way. When I first started, what, 11 or 12 years ago, you couldn't take a dog out. They would have a little room you could take it in. But now there's so many opportunities. You, As an adopter with kennel staff, you can take the dog outside the cabins. Uh, they allow long-term volunteers to walk them around the shelter outside or take them, you know, for car rides and take them out to parks and stuff. So it has really come a long way for their dog's welfare. Yeah. One, one of the things you touched on earlier, I'd like to get a little more information on is I'm not sure there's such a thing as a typical outing, but um, talk a little bit about the, the different, the different dogs and the different types of activities that they enjoy. I tour on Saturday and Sunday mornings uh, to get dogs that really need long walks. So I get them out before the shelter opens. And then that way, uh, They can get their energy out so they look nicer when the guests actually come to see them. But we'll go to, sometimes we go to the Lexington Cemetery. Sometimes we go to Veterans Park. We go to the Arboretum. So if they're high-energy dogs that need leash training, um, we'll take them out and do that. But then I have certain dogs that don't really care to walk very far. So I save them for rainy days, and I'll pick them up. And they just like to ride in the car. You know, so I'll save all my my stuff to go to the post office and errands that I can run and keep them in the car. So we just ride around in the rain. Um, and, and some dogs, like I'll have one dog all day if they really need to decompress. But we usually do three or four on each Saturday and Sunday and then one one day during the week. I think that's the very definition of an experienced volunteer. When you know the dogs so well, you know which ones are going to be good good companions on a rainy day. Oh, well, I'm telling you right now, that is key to being a good volunteer. And that's one of the things that I think new people don't understand is they walk in 
and they get the craziest dog we have, and they try to take it outside, and it does not go well. Um, and then people get discouraged. But if you come on a regular basis, and if you work with staff and just tell them, I don't feel good today, do you have a sad dog that just needs to sit in a room, or do you have a dog that really needs to get out, then they'll help you find the right one. Mm-hmm. Do I understand that your daughter is also involved as a uh, Lexington Humane Society volunteer? She is. I started her in 4-H Dog Club when she was six years old. And uh, when my rescue dog, uh, I can't think of his name now, Pickles, he's about 13 years old now. He's a little chihuahua. And if anybody knows anything about chihuahuas, they are not the easiest dogs to train. (laughs) You don't pick them up. (laughs) They don't want you to. And uh, so we got Pickles, and I put her in 4-H Dog Club, and she cried for the first two weeks because she hated that dog. And the trainer said, if you can train that to one of then you're a dog trainer. Well, so they won the state championship for showmanship two years um, at the Kentucky State Fair. So he turned out to be a pretty good little dog, but she is just such a natural with them. She turned 18 last week, and uh, she really, like, she would go with me some, but during COVID, when there was nothing else to do, she started walking the dogs with me, and, and she's really, really, really good with them. It sounds like she's got a great role model. Yeah. <laughs> and I think I also understand that you guys like to go hiking. Uh, do you ever get to take the dogs out on the hike? We do. There's one in particular. He's still there right now. His name is George. And, again, you have to really know the dog because some of those hiking trails can be pretty uh skinny so if you meet somebody else with a dog or a dog off lead there's just a lot of things you got to think about but george he likes everybody he's very mannerly he'll pull over to the side of the trail and let other people and kids and everybody go past him so he's the perfect dog um, to go hiking with um there's another dog jenny i can take her to veterans park uh I can maneuver around the trails and avoid other people. But, yeah, I get them out as much as I can. That's awesome. It's pretty amazing that George kind of knows the rules of the road. He knows when to yield and when to merge and all that, right? (laughs) Well, well, he's seven. And, again, a lot of times people are like, oh, that dog's old. I don't want him. He can hike all day. And he he pulls me up the hills and stuff that I can't get up. Um, But he's a really good dog to hike with. And, again, that's the way to get the dogs out. If you had a hound dog, they love to sniff those trails and stuff. So I know you've uh, – I love it that you can uh, mention the dogs by name. It's clear you're so so close to them. But can you estimate how many hours you've volunteered over the years since you got started? Well, I looked that up, and I've estimated – is it like 6,700 and – it's over 6,700 hours. I can't find where I wrote it down now, but it's a lot. I would say. Yeah, I would say so. You know, that's what makes this uh, the perfect time for this interview, because uh, we're right here at the end of um, Volunteer Appreciation Month. So we did want to have um, a super volunteer on the show. So so thanks for joining us. But so almost 7,000 hours since you started volunteering. Is there any way of knowing how many dogs you've helped over the years? A bunch is all I can say. In the beginning, you know, even I I foster kittens, too, and I fostered some puppies, and every senior dog I've ever fostered always keeps. But in the beginning, you're like, oh, I'm going to make a a picture album of all of them. But 
you just keep going. And it's like, I love this dog more than any other dog. It gets adopted and there's always another one. So um, some of the names, I thought if anybody listened to this and I leave one out, they're going to just think I'm awful because there have been so many long-term dogs, but uh, there's just been a lot. Well, that's great. And I even stay in touch. A lot of times when, when the ones that have been there for over a year, I have several that they're like 11 and 13 years old now, and I still am in touch with the people who adopted them. That's so sweet. That's nice. It really is nice. So um, as much time as you spend at the shelter, do people ever mistake you for a staff member? All the time. (laughs) (laughs) In fact, on my Facebook, I get messages. They're like, that little brown dog, is it good with other dogs? And, you know, they always want to ask me stuff like that. And then when I am in the shelter, they're they're always waiting for me to get a dog out for them, things like that. Um, so I do get mistaken a lot, but I am always so careful to make sure that I tell them I'm just a volunteer and I give them the shelter's phone number and who to talk to, you know, and put them back with the shelter because I wouldn't want to tell somebody the wrong thing. But yeah, in, in fact, even like taking the pictures and putting them on Facebook, a lot of times they don't have the shelter pictures on the website yet. Mm-hmm. So they just pull up my Facebook and, and find the dog picture. <laughs> and then they're like, oh, here, you can tell how they like to ride in the car. Here, Here's the picture of Becky with it in the car. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, personally, you know, when I visit the shelter, I, I, I popped into the um, office, I don't know, six, seven times in a row before someone finally pointed out that the very nice woman working behind the counter was not an employee, that she was just a volunteer that was there every day. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> Well, see, that's a part of volunteering, too, is if you find something that's your passion, um, because my husband asks me every Saturday morning, where are you going? Where do you think I'm going? Where do I always go? And then he says, why did you go there? They should pay you. No, they shouldn't pay me. I'm a guest. I'm lucky they let me come. Um, Then I'll say, do you have something that you want to do? Well, no, but why do you have to go all the time? But if it's something you really enjoy, a lot of ladies there uh, do the events, and they just love it because they get out and they see people, and that's who their friends are. So, you know, I like being with the dogs, but I also, um, pre-COVID, we'll probably start it back up again, spend a lot of time with teenagers um, and then just helping other people. Another thing my husband would say, he was like, well, why are you putting your makeup on? Is it going to you know, take a bunch of dogs outside. (laughs) There's people there, too. (laughs) See what I look like without brushing my hair and putting makeup on. They really won't come back again. (laughs) Do do we need to have an intervention with your husband? Does he need to be a guest on the show so we can set him straight about your volunteer work? Oh, no, I've already set him straight. (laughs) (laughs) Good. He gave up a long time ago. Good. My car is like, nobody will ride in my car. It's full of the blankets and boxes, which is kind of funny because I used to have a job where I would take people out to lunch and stuff. And I didn't think about it, but they would get in my car and look around and they, were, and they would be sniffing the air. And I'm like, what are you doing? And they're like, your car's not really dirty and it doesn't smell like dog. 
And I was like, well, why do you think it would smell like dogs? And they're like, we see your pictures. <laughs> <laughs> but it's got like seven layers of blankets. So I take all the blankets out and spray them on saw it in there. Nobody ever knows. There you go. That's a great tip. Now, I'm sure over these 10, 11 years that you've been there, there's probably been some special dogs that have really uh, caught your, your heart. I think I heard that recently you were very close with a long-term uh, Humane Society resident, and uh, that that dog was recently adopted. Do, do I have that right? Well, that could be all kinds of um, different dogs, but I think the one you're talking about is probably Edie. She's a good story because, and I've got all kinds of stories. You'll have to make that on another day. But um, Edie was there, when it was like, and it was over 10 years ago, and she was a puppy. Uh, so she was fostered by a friend of mine for, you know, a couple of months. And then she came into the shelter, and she was one of those little wild dogs that liked to step in her poop and smear it all over everything. So nobody wanted to fool with Edie. Her name was Baby back then. But anyway, somebody in my neighborhood adopted her when she was a little over a year old. And they actually kept her for 10 years. But due to family circumstances, they did bring her back to the shelter January of last year. But during that 10 years that she was home with her family, she did things like jump the fence and chewed up the neighbor's lawn furniture. Uh, when they very first got her, she was a pit bull mix. She had a happy tail, so she banged her tail against the walls, and it looked like a murder scene. So they kept her for a long time, and they went through, you know, there didn't seem to be a reason they would turn her back in. But at 11 years old, she came back to the shelter last January, and she would get fostered and brought back, fostered and brought back, fostered and brought back. Then she got adopted by somebody with like five or six kids. You know, the dog's 11 years old. She's probably not going to like that. Um, But anyway, she came back, and I would always make sure to give her baths and give her special attention and take her for rides. And she did get adopted, I think, about a week or two ago. So we're just hoping that it sticks. But I've got, I've made a whole list of dogs. Patrick was the most famous dog. He got adopted in 2013. He was the first dog I took out for rides. But Scott, <laughs> Cookie, Roscoe, Aster, Daphne, Daisy. See, if people are listening, they're going to see, I'm not going to say their dog's name. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, you probably have a lot of little uh like doggy relatives around town, sort of nieces and nephews just all over Lexington. Uh, yes, yes. And I'm Mama Becky's what a lot of people call me. They'll send me pictures. We want a Mama Becky to see what sweet potato looks like now. Oh, uh, Yeah. That's sweet. And, and I'll just say, there's a lot of, of heartache. You see a lot of things. There's some dogs. We've had dogs that get cancer, dogs that, you know, have died for different reasons. And I just love them when I have them. But there's a lot of really, really good stories, too. And that's what you live for. You bet. I've been around Lexington Humane Society for a lot of years. And, you know, the team is just so focused and dedicated to making sure every story has a happy ending. And, you know, you've talked about a few of long-term residents. So it's a good reminder for people that, you know, there's no expiration date for these dogs if it takes them you know, a month to get adopted, that's fine. If it takes six months, that's also fine. So it's, it's a happy place to be in general. I mean, it's, it can be difficult sometimes to, you know, see one of those dogs in a kennel and think, well, that could be a perfect pet for somebody, but, you know, almost all of them end up, um, 
with that with that outcome, which is wonderful. Well, there's a lot of dogs you wouldn't think anybody would want. Um, you'll have a, a two-legged, one-eyed, you know, under-ear dog, and they go in the first day. And then you can have a perfect dog that nobody wants. But there's somebody for everybody. And there's just another volunteer opportunity, hospice care. Mm-hmm. A lot of people will foster a dog in its final days. And the thing is, is that dog thinks it's home. They don't know any different. Mm-hmm. I mean, what better thing could you do for a dog? Yeah, that's true. And we I know a lot of the folks I've dealt with over the years at the Humane Society, including some board members, you know, everybody's got a type. Like for some reason, we always end up with crazy yeah. herd, herding dog, you know, border collie, Australian shepherds, whatever. <laughs> but we've, we've had, there you go. <laughs> we've had, you know, a number of board members and, and supporters over the years that, I mean, that's their type. It's the ones who, you know, need some medical care or need some special attention or maybe are getting up there in years and a lot of people seek those dogs out. Thank God. Yeah. Kind of on the heels of Volunteer Appreciation Week and as we're wrapping up Volunteer Appreciation Month, we really just wanted to say thank you for all the hours you've put in and all the dogs whose lives you've touched and and, and also for all the people whose lives you've enriched because you helped them find their forever dog. So we just want to say thanks for that. You're our hero. Oh, thank you. Thank you. And I just want to say, going back to my husband, when he's like, why did you do that? You know, it's win, win, win. I don't have to pay for a gym membership. It gets me out of bed. I've got something to do. It's community service. And for sure, the dogs and cats win. You bet. Oh. What would you suggest for anyone who wants to, to get involved like, like you've been involved? What's the best place to start? Well, if you want to be like do office or event work, you're the volunteer coordinator. But once you've gone through your orientation and you've been released to volunteer, I would say when you're in the kennels, show up, you know, as much as you can, get to know the staff there, ask them what they need. And once they get to know you, they'll start giving you things to do and then you'll find your niche. But the biggest thing is to get to know the people inside the kennels and they'll, they'll help you find your way. That's great. You know, we have, um, our little podcast has grown and it's been a wonderful experience for us because a couple times a month we get a chance to talk to nice people like you. So we actually have a lot of listeners, um, you know, outside of Lexington. So we talk a lot about the Lexington Humane Society on here because that's our hometown, um, organization, but the rules still apply no matter where you are. If, if there's a, a, a rescue or a humane society in your uh, area and you want to become a volunteer, just walk in, introduce yourself, say hello to the people and let them know that you want to help and they'll find a, find a way for you to help. That's a big passion that I have because I hear a lot of times that people don't understand what a shelter really does. If you don't think they're doing the job they should, then you in the community need to show up. Yeah, you're exactly right. And to your point earlier about all the volunteer hours, I mean, I cannot even imagine, you know, the extra expenses that these organizations would have to incur if they didn't have great volunteers to help. I mean, a lot of them would just be unable to operate because so many hundreds and thousands of hours are donated by nice people like you. Yeah, and if you don't have the time, then you can always write them a check. <laughs> You're right. You you are the best at the commercial for for the Humane Society. This is wonderful. And if you're at a shelter that won't let you in, 
lot of times they'll let you do events. You can always do fundraising. You can take pictures. You can do podcasts. There's just all kinds of things you can do besides criticize. If all else fails, you can write a check, right, Becky? That's right. That's right. Well, listen, this has been amazing. We, we, we thank you so much for being on the show. We love talking to passionate dog people and you've probably, your life has probably intersected with more dogs at the Lexington Humane Society than anybody I know that's not a staff member. So we just want to say thank you so much for what you do and keep up the great work. Well, thanks for the opportunity. I appreciate you guys talking to me. Wow, almost 7,000 hours volunteering to walk dogs. If you're working a standard 40-hour week, that would be the equivalent of being at a full-time job for more than three years with no vacation. That's pretty unbelievable. Just think about all the shelters who depend on volunteers like Becky to get all the work done, especially on limited budgets. They just couldn't do it without volunteers. That's right. And We've talked about this before, but a lot of times, and Becky even talked about it, the volunteers are there so much that they get mistaken for staff members, which I think is just (laughs) amazing. But at the Lexington Humane Society, where Becky volunteers, they have some really, really cool programs. Uh, The Trainable program, where volunteers reinforce positive behavior for adoptable pit bulls. It's a really, really neat program. And of course, they do that um, behavior training at the same time they're keeping them exercised. So... Big shout out to the pit crew. Ooh, ooh, or the Check Me Out program where you can just swing by the shelter and check out a dog. You can take them for a quick outing. It's as easy as that. Of course, some of the programs are a little limited because of what we're in the middle of with the pandemic, but hopefully everything gets uh, back to normal soon. Yeah, it should. And um, hopefully we're seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. So uh, hopefully all these programs will be back in action. Yes. Uh, not just at Lexington Humane Society, but really at every shelter around the country. There's volunteer opportunities everywhere. You know, while this uh, episode focused really on our local shelter here in Lexington, Kentucky, there's a shelter somewhere where you live that could use your help and there's a way for you to get involved. So just ask. So as we wrap up Volunteer Appreciation Month, We just want to say thank you to everyone who is a volunteer or is otherwise supporting an animal shelter. However you're contributing, you are our heroes. You are indeed. We sincerely mean that. We thank you for what you do. So you're the reason we started this podcast and we look forward to talking to even more of you in the coming months. So if you have a story you want to share, hit us up on social, let us know, and we would love to chat with you. That would be great. But until next time... Go do something nice for a dog today. Bye, everybody.